Hello and welcome to the How To Hobby Podcast. I'm your host, John Power, joined once again in the studio by the Baruka Master himself, Sean Bennett. He has returned from his worldwide adventure across the seven seas into the lands of Mordor. And he is back here to, to shower us with little gems of knowledge as he he, he it w- let, let it just waft over you like a like a sweet candle scent listeners uh he used to be known as a candle man but right now he's smelly so sean welcome back oh thank you so much i'm so happy to be here yeah i did just get back from my trip across the seven seas up to northern washington <laughs> and uh spent five days out there doing one of the coolest things i've ever done in my entire life and i will forever be grateful for getting a chance to to do that trip so i'm glad to be here i'm glad to talk about it wow forever grateful i mean that is just this must have been the bee's knees of trips oh it better than texas better than texas texas was a lot of fun but this was this was the first time that i had a life-changing moment uh while i was on a trip like this was this was the first time i'd ever sat there and went oh my god i'll never be the same wow okay so what changed come right to the chase come right to the chase um i actually took a bite of meat that was cooked for me on a plate when i had been the one to butcher that meat so i the part of the course so for those that don't know i took an outdoor course up in northern washington uh human nature hunting school i highly recommend you guys check it out we'll post a link um but Day one, you actually uh, break an animal down. You actually uh, skin it, butcher it, and then prepare all the cuts of meat from the back strap to the tenderloins to the shoulders to every piece of cut you can get from an animal. And then that was what we cooked for dinner for the next couple of nights. And it was the first time in my life I ever took a bite of food and knew exactly where it came from. Came from your own two hands. You had just <laughs> taken, you had lathered it up with some good spices. Oh yeah, cut oh, yeah. it with the with an obsidian blade that you had forged in the <laughs> in the vats of Mordor right behind you. Oh yeah, the classic uh, obsidian buck knife. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was it was actually really really cool. They had a chef out there who prepared the meat in the most amazing ways I've ever eaten meals before, and. Uh, yeah. Backcountry chefin. Backcountry chefin. Yeah, he was fantastic. We did, we ate everything from lamb to elk, um, all kinds of raw veggies and cooked veggies from their garden out there. We had rhubarb oh. pie made from rhubarb they picked that morning. Uh, it was a crazy Wait, this, experience. This doesn't sound like roughing it. This sounds like <laughs> first class, four star resort situation going on here. What? It was pretty cool. So they have a log cabin out there that they actually hand built about 20 years ago. They, they designed and built the whole log cabin themselves. And then they own a, the family owns about 400 acres in the timbers, timber forests of Northern Washington. And they have a beautiful garden, a bunch of land. Um, yeah, it was, it was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to coolest experiences I've ever had. And I don't think I'll ever go back to being the same. I think it was one of those life-changing things that are kind of hard to explain to people who haven't experienced that before, but I will make it my life's mission to try and pass on the feeling that I had, the knowledge that I gained. Beautiful. Out in the timbers, as far as the eye can see, Sean was sitting down with a 
nice slab of meat, ready to oh. devour, take <laughs> take a shower. And he did in meat. It was amazing, right? Oh, it was, it was fantastic. And we did a lot of archery and shooting and hiking and camping. Um, it was crazy. The only, where, go ahead. Where did you uh, happen to, did you feel powerful? Oh, yes. You devoured the meat. Did you, I, did the, I did. I felt powerful and I also felt appreciation for it on a level I'd never experienced before. I mean, we've all, unless you're a vegetarian or a vegan, we've all eaten meat. We've all experienced what it's like to eat a burger or eat a steak, but it's very few people nowadays that can actually say they knew what that animal looked like before they ate it. Like before to actually they, they devoured it. <laughs> they skinned it. They, I knew this was coming listeners. Sean got, he got crazy out there in the wilderness. Well, welcome back, man. That's amazing. I can't wait to hear. I mean, I feel like this is just going to be something that keeps on going. And yeah. now you're going to have to take me in the back country and show me how to do it. Oh, I would, I would absolutely love to. I want to pass this, the stuff I learned on to as many people as I can. And I absolutely plan on going back when I can. And my goal is I want to move out to the back country and I want to live a life like that. Wow. Yep. Said it here first. Yep. I'll eventually be saying goodbye to California and moving out probably to Montana. Okay. Well, I have some friends that are going to Idaho here soon. Uh, people are definitely moving up there. It seems mm -hmm. like beautiful country. Uh, you know, I'd be, I wouldn't be opposed, but oh, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're doing fine out here in the Arizona heat. Uh, I rode my bike today and it was one, one Oh four. We're getting up there. Stop so it. I'm, You're lying. No, I made it, man. I'm telling <laughs> oh you, it's, it's another level. I call it sauna engaged. Yeah, I bet. Is it dry heat? Oh, it's, yeah, it's dry heat. Okay. It's not, okay. it's not wet heat. Okay. Uh, okay. it's actually, it's not bad. It's amazing. I mean, again, I I've kind of been building up to it cause I've just stayed consistent with my riding every single week mm -hmm. so as the temperature's gone up it's just been you know three degrees here you have a hundred degree day here and then this week it was like yeah 104 i think towards the weekend it's gonna be like 114 um wow but i won't be here to ride i would but um yeah i i i'm actually gonna be taken off so we'll we'll leave that heat behind but next time next next week i'm sure I'll get, I'll get some more and, mm -hmm. but it, it'll eventually no. become accustomed to it. And you're going to come back to San Diego and be cold. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I'm pretty temperature. Uh, my, I can, I acclimate well to mm, temperature. Good. So, and I've found that now again, being out here, because for me, it's like my body doesn't really, I feel like it's another thing too. When you're consistent with what you're doing, your body responds Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see what it's like when I ride in, when it really is like 115 and yeah. I'm riding and that's right. When I'm riding listeners, I'm not, this is not an, if you got to get out there, just see what, see how the body handles it again. It's only, we're only talking about 20, 30 minutes, but what my trick has been, I go out on the weekends and I'll do an hour ride mm. in like the afternoon I, I have like my son get up. I have like a hat. Okay. I have my sun shirt that I wear. And then I just, I just go for it and put on some sunscreen and yeah, it's uh it's good, man. It's good. Good way to test the, it's a different level because out in California, we have all these hills and mountains to climb. 
here it's like just go go outside and in 115 and go ride your bike and see mm -hmm. how that goes yeah yeah <laughs> well i i applaud you for getting out and doing that that definitely takes some some gumption and definitely dedication to to getting your body to acclimate to something like that a lot faster than most other people will i think well thanks sean i'm anybody has any questions feel free i'm always willing to give you any tips but it's actually pretty pretty simple you just you just go for it. Um, but without further ado, we're going to get into our favorite part of the show, Sean, which is everybody's favorite. It's all about social media. We oh, got yeah. an Instagram, we got a Twitter, and we're ready to rumble when it comes to it. Follow us at the How To Hobby Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. The best way to get in touch with us is through our Gmail account, Sean watches the comms like a hawk every single I week. Do. I do. How to hobby podcast at gmail.com. Send us a line and we will get back to you with any questions you may have about the world of hobbying and gear and any of the things that you may have questions about coming into this world that we love so much. Uh, the best way to stay up to date on everything how to hobby related is at our website howtohobbypodcast.com where you can where you can find all of our tidbits about Sean's hunting picks his uh, crazy eats to John's crazy feats it's all Ooh. there at the howtohobbypodcast.com make sure to keep it on your favorites line I mean, that's what we do, right? We put our favorite websites on our favorites line. Uh, but let's get into tonight's topic. Tonight, we're doing something a little bit different, a little bit fresh. We haven't done it before. We've hinted at it a couple episodes ago in episode 22, uh, where we talked about our new gear that we had that we had acquired. Sean has acquired this brand new piece of gear that he got to use on his trip this last yes, week. Yes, I did. And I think he... He's going to have some, some info for us. I acquired this piece of gear that I'm going to be talking about. And that's right. I'm not going to unveil them yet. You're going to have to stick around to listen and hear what they are. But uh, I went on a family camping trip. It went well. And it was an extremely fun time for the family, Sean. Uh, we did two nights in the backcountry. Nice. Uh, completely dispersed. No, no running water, no toilets, no nothing. We just go out, find a campsite or find a, a swath of land that you want to call your own and, mm -hmm. and, and make it yours. So we did two nights, but I use this piece of gear for a lot of our, uh, livelihood. And so it's going to be good to get into it tonight. Um, do you have anything else to add as a final takeaway from your trip? Anything you want to say to the listeners regarding, uh, we will definitely link the human nature hunting uh experience that sean went in went on in the show notes but um i'm sure you'll be also giving us like i want to do an in-depth thorough review, oh yeah play by play oh yeah we'll go here. into it we'll we'll do a full episode talking about what we did the the highlights of everything but the the one piece of advice i have to everybody out there is to step outside your comfort zone and try and do something that will teach you more than you thought it would. There's, 
the, this doing this course was very uncomfortable for me. I had never done anything like this other than some camping and backpacking, but this was on a whole other level. And I will never be the same person. I, I will for always be changed for the better because of stepping out there and doing it. So best advice, get out there, do something that scares you in a good way and, and grow as a person. Beautiful, beautiful. And just curious, how far were you away from civilization in this compound? Uh, we were about a half hour away from the nearest city. Um, and the nearest city, I think, is a population of only a few thousand. So we were we were pretty rural, um, way more rural than San Diego. So it was a huge difference for me. And how long did it, did it end up taking you travel-wise? This is my last question before we dive into our year here. But how long did it take you to get from the major airport to, to, the, to the, where you were going to be living? It was, what, uh, five days? It was five days. It was, uh, in total, about two and a half hours in uh, taking a bus and then getting picked up by the people that host the course and then driven from the nearest town about 30 minutes uh, to their ranch. So in total, including flight time, it was something like eight, nine hours. But once I, once I got to the main city, the main airport, two hour bus ride, which was interesting. I I've never taken a bus in another state before. And it was really cool. The people were really, really nice. So yeah, definitely get out there and do something weird. It was fun. Oregon, man. It was, Oh no, this is Washington. Washington. Yep. Northern Close Washington. enough. I mean, they're all pretty much yeah. the same. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Well, so let's dive into what we're going to be talking about tonight. I'm going to start with my product that I recently picked up. Yeah. Uh, mine was the GSI Selkirk 460 dual burner stove. It's a, it's a pretty cool camping stove setup for your camp kitchen. Sean's kitchen cook was probably in the back using this exact thing. Actually, no. Did he have the fire breathing dragon set up? No, he was actually cooking in the cabin. So he had a stove and a couple of burners, but he, okay. he did fantastic stuff with a very limited cooking, uh, cooking tools. So Beautiful. it's possible. Beautiful. So this, this is the, the 460. I'll just kind of rattle off some of the specs. It's a, it's a steel construction, stainless steel. They just say steel. I, I believe <laughs> it's a stainless steel, but maybe it's like a carbon steel for a lot of the body. Um, but it has some dimensions, um, two burner heads, pot support. Uh, it's an 18.3 by 12.9. Uh, so it's not as big. I think they have a 540, okay. which is bigger. And that allows you to comfortably fit a 10 inch cast iron and a pot. Okay. Mine, this one. I guess it's not the, the funny thing. The ironic thing I think is I never understand Sean, the, like 460, 540, like <laughs> what one, what is that? And then two, why do they do that? Do you have, yeah. do you have any idea why companies do that? No, it, it is really interesting. Almost every company does their stuff differently. Maybe there's something about it being in millimeters. Maybe it's something about, um, I, I don't know, but yeah, well, it's, it's a difference in dimensions. I'll tell you that. So, so yeah. the dimensions of the 540, it's, it's, so it's a two burner stove setup, 10,000 BTU burners. That's the same across the board, 460, 540. Okay. But 
the dimensions, it's a 21.4 inch wide cook setup versus the mm. 18.3. Got it. That's what it is, by the way. 460 millimeters is 18.1 inches. Oh, here we and go. 540 is 21.25. So maybe that's where they kind of come oh. up with it. There we go. Shawnee B working out the mathematics in the background. You see how quick he is. <laughs> He's not a project manager. He is a in the, in the dirty trenches, just making things happen. Wow, dude. Nice. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's clearly it. Um, now I went with the 460 because it is $40 cheaper. Yeah, I feel it. So I, you know, that's what I did. Um, additionally, I feel like you can get away with having less than more when it comes to space, especially when backpacking. I mean, get, again, I'm used to like a small mini one, like you, you tighten on the burner mm -hmm. on top of the, the canister of propane yep, yep. and then it's a single burner and you make everything happen with that. So I was like, all right, we'll do the step up. We'll go two burner for the family. And, uh, and it went well, cause we had the 10 inch. It, it fit on there just fine. And then we had our little coffee um, slash tea kettle that we put on the, on the other burner. And you can fit like a little, uh, what is it? Like a 13, 12 liter uh, pot on the other side. So you can still get away with some stuff. Yeah. Um, but, it, but the important thing is it fired up. It, it made things happen. Super fast boiling times. Windscreens were nice. Um, you can what, pull. Does oh, it run off of a little tank or a, a big tank? What were the you Coleman, running off of? Coleman big tank. So okay. there's a uh, a what uh connection at the side that that directly it kind of sits within when you're transporting it, and then you pull it out, and it's like an arm Got that it. directly okay. can can screw on to the side of the Selkirk stove. Mm -hmm. and then directly into the your propane canister so i i just got, got the coleman standard i don't know what what the size is i didn't even look i just yeah the, i know the tall tall boy the tall boy <laughs> it worked um and it, it it supported us for two days for all three meals so it's six meals total and yeah i mean it was it was a great little little stove perform well you can pull off the grates to clean underneath good so that was good. nice uh igniter did not work Bring a really? lighter, folks. Okay, good to know. Good to know. You know, it's funny. I go on REI, and I guarantee I could go on here right now, and the reviews on it would be, like, terrible because everybody says the same thing. Igniter doesn't work. It's crap. And it's like, well, dude, bring a lighter. It, you're yeah. camping. Like, the igniter. I don't a minimum even... of a match. Every Everyone under the sun should be camping with some sort of way to start a fire. You know, that, that's like one of the most basic things everybody should have. So either a lighter or a match or something, something in case your igniter goes out. Well, here we go right here. I hate to say it. Mara from Seattle, Washington, REI.com. One star. Igniters don't work. Returning <laughs> this item. Igniters did not work consistently. And when, that, and when they happened to, propane had to be at full blast pushing the button 20 times. Wow. I will not sacrifice quality. See, in my mind, <laughs> that is a user who unfortunately has too high of expectations when it comes to backcountry living. Mm -hmm. Because uh, realistically, I didn't even, I didn't, I, I know igniters barely ever work. 
I, yeah. I just threw the lighter right in the pouch. I didn't even bother. I tried one time, didn't work, whatever, lighter. Yep. It's more convenient anyways to just have it right next to the stove. It's got the long, mm-hmm. you have the long lighter. Um, all right, let's, let's see a really exuberant review. A Josh here, worth every penny. Five stars, great design, worth it, great price, easy to clean and use. And I agree with that. Uh, I thought it was a very good stove for what it was. Got the job done, and I would recommend it. I have to say, Good. so overall, where did, you, where did you pick yours up? Was it REI? REI, REI. Okay. I pretty okay. much do everything now. I'm a member, yep. And so I just actually it was during the time I got the twenty percent off deal. Okay, okay, I like my, it. My, I I went and did bought a bunch of gear for the trip to Washington and got those the twenty percent and the thirty percent off on a couple of things. It was awesome. Okay, a little side side tangent. What were some of the other things you picked up? So I picked up a really nice small sleeping pad. It's a self-inflating sleeping pad. Um, the ones that I had are really heavy and really big. They're more for like car camping. They're not great for backpacking. So I went and bought myself a really nice one there. Uh, I bought two pairs of really nice outdoor pants because the only outdoor pants I had were either really rugged mm-hmm. canvas that I use when I take my gun classes or jeans. And so I went and bought really nice outdoor pants and Prana. No, they were the REI co-op brand. They were the, the, Oh no, they weren't cool. They were cool. K-U-H-L. Oh, they were cool yep. pants. Um, yeah, they were, they're amazing pants and I got them on sale too. So they were like oh, 30, 30, 30 or 40% off. It was a great deal. Um, Oh, yeah. I love outdoor pants, man. My, I would wear them all the time. except my wife doesn't let me. She's like, don't be one of those people. Like, I know. They're so comfortable. <laughs> they're so, so comfortable, super stretchy, a billion pockets. Like, oh, uh, they were really, really nice. The only downside I did discover when buying those pants is you have to be careful what application you're buying your pants for is they're not the kind of pants you could go hunting with because they, when they rub together, they're like a really, really loud um, ah material and so they're not you cannot sneak through the woods in those things they're just (laughs) every step you take so something to keep an eye on yes very cool well congrats on all the purchases and uh we'll get into your product here shortly i do want to go run through kind of our three point scoring standard yeah so what i did we kind of have broken down the three categories tonight what we did how the product performed and would we recommend i've already kind of given a little bit away um but the selkirk obviously i i fed my family sean i mean there's nothing more enjoyable than being able to get coffee for the wife in the morning first thing i come out Mm -hmm. of the tent pop on the burner get the coffee going pour over you would have been impressed oh there you go babe into the yeti cup i i don't buy yeti coolers but i will buy yeti cups actually my wife just said she wanted it so i was like all right (laughs) i'll get it so I have like the knockoff brand and it works just fine. Um, so yeah, provided food for my family. Definitely worked well with the cast iron pan, which is my favorite pan in the arsenal. Mm-hmm. So you know I'm, I'm already excited when I'm using my cast iron. Uh, had a good range of burner uh, efficiency. Okay. And, and you, could, you could simmer. I mean, it got hot quick. And that's, I think if there is like a con to these, across the board i don't even think this is just selkirk but across the board the one of the cons i've seen is 
there you can't get the simmering mm. ability in there because you know you're you have to get as much you have to get the the butane going mm-hmm. so i don't know how it works as far as the flow rates but i think they have to be a decent flow rate to be able to well yeah because it's flowing through the system from the canister yep. so you can't exactly get the same amount of dial in as your home stove when it comes to simmering but you can get low enough and, and it had enough flexibility to still power it down low. Um, it performed amazing, provided for the family. And I don't have, I, I, at least out of this trip, I don't have any things that I would say could have been done better. I mean, it, to me, it made me happy. So that, <laughs> is, that, is that a metric? On, I don't think so. But it made me happy to use. And I would recommend it to anybody who's looking for a stove in the 99 to $75 range. I, there's a number of them out there. Um, but this one, I think, packed a good value between or a, packed a good punch between value and uh, capability, good. which is, again, what we're, what we're looking to find. Uh, I, I'm not a stove expert, so this is my first real soiree into the realm, but I would recommend it to people. And if you're in the market for finding a stove and can find it with your 20% coupon, definitely go for it and, and give it a try. You can always return it to REI, right? Yep, exactly. Always return to REI. <laughs> so that's, that's it for my segment tonight. Sean, let's jump into your little yeah. your so product. I- I made an investment in something that I never really thought I would have, or at least I wouldn't have for a while. Uh, but for the trip, one of the required things you you had to bring with you were some binoculars. And uh, I've looked at various companies and binoculars. He specifically recommended Vortex binoculars. And I went with the Vortex Diamondback HD 10 by 42 binoculars. Uh, the reason I went with Diamondback, so they have different levels for Vortex, and this goes for their binoculars and their scopes and their spotting scopes. Diamondback is kind of near the more affordable, and then it goes like to Viper, and then it goes all the way up to their Razor level, which their Razor binoculars are crazy expensive, same as their scope. Um, and But I started, I started with a more economical model, the Diamondback HDs. If you buy them on Amazon, I think I paid about $230. Uh, they are fantastic, fantastic binoculars. I use them almost every day, all day long. Because a lot of what we were doing is looking at long distances, whether it was targets that we were shooting at or animals that we were looking at, or we were trying to see through the forest to try and find different targets and things like that. We use the binoculars every single day we were there. I put them through their paces. I had them in rain and they handled really, really well. They are very optically clear. That's a big part with binoculars, even out to pretty long distances. Um, they had to, There was a guy there who had the next level up. And I'll say there was a difference between the Diamondback level and the, I think it was the Viper, which is about twice the price. Um, but they had, they were a little bit clearer. And instead of in the binocular it kind of was really clear in the center on mine and it gets a little fuzzy as you move away from the center on his they were clear the whole ring so it just kind of goes yeah. to what you're looking for but for me coming out the gate they are fantastic binoculars so joe just a just a cool 
$400 difference. The Viper specs yeah. are around $700, 650 to 700. So yeah. Good. Go tell me what the razor costs. They're top of the line binoculars. These are oh, like, goody. you are, you are an expert and you are, you are getting way into the woods of, of glass optics of tech. Uh, well, just a $1,500. Oh, cool. $1,500. <laughs> just a cool 15. Yeah, totally. Those are um, Joe Rogan's uh, choice of optics, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, I guarantee it. Guarantee <laughs> it. But yeah, for me, um, just kind of breaking down the same three segments, what we did, I used them the entire trip. Uh, I got a really cool video on my phone of actually a brown bear or a black bear. It was a black bear cub, so they're kind of cinnamon colored, uh, about 250 yards away. Uh, I got to watch that little cub kind of wander through the forest. That was really, really cool and humbling experience. Uh, and then they performed beautifully. I, I had no idea what I was doing with binoculars and these made it very easy to get into using them. They have dual adjustable cups too. So they have adjustable eye cups for if you're wearing glasses or not wearing glasses to change your uh, distance from the lens to give you the proper eye relief. And then they also have dual adjustable focus. So you can focus both lenses at the same time. And then there's also one particular focus on the right eye cup only so that if your eyes are different prescriptions or different focus lengths, you can actually adjust the cups to match your eyes. So very customizable. Yeah, very customizable. Um, Yeah, I would recommend them to absolutely everybody. Uh, 10 by 42 is a popular, 10 by is the magnification, 42 is the diameter of the lens. I would recommend 10 by 42 for anybody who's looking into using them for hunting. Eight by 42s are the most popular size for bird watching. So if you're interested in bird watching, you don't have any interest in hunting. You just want to look at the local birds in your park. The Vortex Diamondback HD eight by 42s are what you're looking for. Wow. Okay. And I mean, what are some of the highlights of the brand? I mean, I think for, you know, GSI, they're pretty well known in the world of, but, but, between the two products tonight, I would say this is probably the more premium of the two. I'm, I, you know, I'm looking at 99. It's not <laughs> necessarily the top of the line gas burner stove by any stretch of the imagination. I think some of the better ones are around 150 to $200. Yep. Now that's kind of the, the difference in prices. Clearly your brand is stretching, you know, 300 to $1,400 in, yep. in product. So they have a lot going for them and they clearly, you know, this is premium. So oh, yeah. what yeah, are some definitely. of the things that stood out to you as an engineer, when you were looking at the product that you were just like, Oh, they thought about that. That's nice. Well, the, the first thing and the one that they are most famous for is their warranty process is crazy. It's similar to REI. It's one of the things that if anything goes wrong, they break, you throw them off the side of a mountain or you your kid throws them across the room, whatever it is, they'll fix it and replace it for free. Like they have the craziest warranty I've ever heard. Uh, They also have a great brand. If you haven't heard of it, the Vortex Nation podcast is a fantastic podcast where they talk about everything from scopes to shooting to hunting to everything. And then just the rugged construction of it. Like it feels indestructible. Like I feel like I could throw these out of a car at 60 miles an hour and I still be able to pick them up and look at a bear down the road. There's... So are those, are those black? Did you get the black color? Though no, they're in a deep, like forest gray or forest gray, forest green, forest green. 
worth green. Wow, I cannot see that, but that's we're you know we're just on the old FaceTime here. Whatever, whatever our yeah, they're there. It's hard to tell with the light, but yeah, they're. Oh, that's a nice warm factor. Forest. Oh God, yeah, they have they have a very sexy industrial design going. Um, yeah, fits in the hand, nice. This is great. Show and oh, yeah. tell. Yep, fits in the hand. And I'll also admit something that I wasn't prepared for as somebody buying binoculars for the first time is that I don't know how to use them. I'm very shaky. I'm very hard, having a hard time focusing. And if I had let the first time I looked through them color my experience, I would have been really disappointed. But I just kept trying and trying and learning and getting more steady and learning how to use the focus ring and to the point where I could sit and watch a bear for hours and be completely fine. So I recommend wow. everybody to give it a shot. Wow, heard it here first. I did not know that binocular watching was a was a skill you needed to learn, but Sean has let us know once again, listeners, and I wouldn't know unless you told me because I haven't looked through binoculars in a while. Now I do know that optics in general is like it's an art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, whether it's looking at the stars, my dad was a big astronomy buff. He mm-hmm. loves the solar system and the stars even more than me, which is, which it's ironic. I'm the one who's now in the rocket <laughs> world, the launch vehicle world. And he's, he's like, Oh yeah. Northrop has a great, I love their Antares. I'm like, Oh, Dad, <laughs> how do you know everything? That's awesome. Um, but yeah, he would always find the moon and find, he would have these telescopes that weren't that great, mm-hmm. but he would always be able to sight in and find his target. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know. I just thought for me, that was always impressive because I think it's more about the art behind it a lot of times and the skill that you learn to use even stuff that isn't the most premium you can make work. And that's, that's really cool. So you, I mean, you have obviously a good starting uh, platform to grow your skills in, Yep. but yeah, it takes, takes work, man, to really understand something new, right? Yeah, it does. It really does. It takes work and it takes commitment to figuring it out. Well, I'm glad it, it, came through for you and you were able to, to really get through, uh, get through the course. I mean, so you spent five days, how often were you using these per day? I would say I had them around my neck, uh, about at least five to six hours a day. And they come in a really comfortable case. They're really light for what you get. And I, I, yeah, I, I used them a lot while I was out there. And was it, how did they shape the days? Like, were you, would you wake up, eat breakfast and then get, yep. get at it or. Yeah. We yeah, started what? at about seven fifteen in the morning. They would start brewing coffee. We'd sit outside, drink coffee and kind of hang out for a while. We'd eat breakfast and then get the day started, do some classes, come back, eat lunch, go back out, do some classes, come back, eat a late dinner and then sit around the campfire till about 10 to 12 at night. And then go to bed and then get up the next morning and do it all over again. Wow. Was whiskey involved? Whiskey was not involved. Bourbon was involved. Oh, (laughs) bourbon and beer. We drank a lot of bourbon and beer. Bourbon or no. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was a little, little throwback to our last episode. We were doing uh, some funny things. Um, Go back and listen to it. If you didn't hear, if you're interested in, whatever I just said. Um, so Sean, yeah. Anything, any closing thoughts you would highly recommend, uh, any of the features that surprised you, uh, as you were learning and 
yeah, I think you, you already kind of talked about it. It's, it's a skill to be learned, but was there something that you, that really stood out about the optical system that you weren't expecting? Uh, the, the, the separate eye focus was something that I, I was not expecting, but that was a really cool thing to, to see, but just how much power it gave me to be able to sit and understand more of the world around me by being able to not to be a couple hundred yards away and still be involved in the the wildlife it was it was such a cool experience to sit there the animals don't know you're there and you can watch them be the true versions of themselves wow you know that's really i i'm i'm kind of a little i'm 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 a little inspiration is brewing inside of me hearing you talk about this. I mean, it's because I love being out in the wilderness and I'm just, I don't know the way you delivered that last statement just made me think, wow, what that really is such a nice experience to be able to sit back, just take a minute. Cause I mean, that was kind of the big thing I was doing on this camping trip was every night. What I love about camping is you just get to sit back and watch the stars bloom in front of you. Yep. and just look up. And then when you feel tired, you go to sleep. And it's, you know, it's a learned art. Like my wife was even, she hasn't done as much camping as I have in her life. So the first day, she was kind of like, what do we do? And I was like, you can do whatever you want. And it's all, re all revolving around pretty much nothing. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, and, and then after that, I literally, I mean, that day, I think, had lunch, drank a beer, and then went to the hammock and just read a little bit and then conked out while the mm. wind was flowing underneath me, blowing me. It, it was it, the oh, way life should be the way life should be. It was amazing, man. It was it was such a relaxing afternoon. And I just couldn't the sun was just bathing over the campsite. It's that little afternoon glow. Oh, so good. But, uh, well, thanks for, thanks for sharing tonight, Sean. I think that's, that's going to conclude our gear patrol with Sean and John. Uh, we'll continue to, to drop some knowledge as we're acquiring gear throughout the year here. Uh, I'm sure Sean has more plans to get more things. Oh, yeah. And I know I do, which is something we like to do as, as hobbyists. Sean, I have to say, I, I want to share this with you. I, my mountain bike tire went flat. So I have on my mountain bike, I have the tubeless tires Okay. and I love, I don't know the new products, right? New things you have to understand. They just they get you a little excited, right? Yeah. So, yep. so this was the first time I'm a big bike maintenance buff now. Like I like, I even got some aerospace grade lubrication. Ooh. Oh. Uh, it was, it was used, uh, from a prior application and they just, you know, it's like going to be thrown out. So they give it to you. Like they can't mm -hmm. use it anymore. Cause I guess aerospace products, they expire within okay. a year. So you can, like, you have to use it within six months to a year after that. It's like not good for flight because mm. nothing is good for flight after yeah. a certain time frame, Right. <laughs> anyway, I now have this, like this aerospace great lubricant that I'm using on my products. That's besides the point. I'm, I'm getting more nerded out here than I thought I would. But my mountain bike tire went flat. I found 
I like to ride my, my mountain bike around my little neighborhood. I don't know. It's just, for me, it's more a approachable, like the road bike you get on, you ride, you ride seriously. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, I can't help but be like a super try hard rider. Cause I'm, it's a race, it's a race machine. It's like getting into a Ferrari and then you can't ride it slow. Yeah, you gotta no. ride it fast. The mountain bike is, is more, you kind of come up, you're like, Hey, why don't we just go for a little cruise around the neighborhood? So the other day I pull the bike out and I'm, I've just blown, I just had blown up the tire, uh, pumped up the tire. I didn't blow it physically up. <laughs> um, and I pulled out this massive, like I look, I'm looking at the tire and I see this thing sticking out a little bulb of some sort. I'm like, what's that? And of course I grab it and pull it out and then. Oh, that sound. Oh, the yeah, faithful yeah. sound. And it was, I mean, it was like a barb, probably three inches, three inches long from a, from my last ride that I had done or, you know, something. I don't, I don't know. We're in the desert now. So tire goes flat. I'm like, all right, I gotta, I gotta get something to get. So, so what you have to do to fill your tire, mine were good from the time of buying my bike. They, they had the shop I went through had already set them up as tubeless. Okay. So they, they put the lubrication in, or the, the goo, um, and inside and then, and then it's, it's self-sealant. They really, they call it sealant, but it's okay. a self-sealing, um, goo inside mm-hmm. the, the tire. Well, so I had to get some, I got this brand called muck off and I'd heard good things and it was really reasonable for a leader. So I was stoked. Okay. And, um, so the other day I'm, I'm getting it all together. You pretty much, you take, you de-seat the tire mountain bike is like different. Everything's mm. big. I mean, it's a 29, nine inch wheel, more rubber. So it's like, you really have to get everything mm-hmm. underneath and, and unseating the bead is like a different beast than a road bike, of course, because they're completely different. And so I'm learning all this and I find out. So then you just, you take the goo, it's like in a massive, uh, container and you, they even give you like a straw that you put on the top Okay. and then you just goo it around the tire and then you rotate the tire and let the, let the, the sealant kind of, that's the trick. So you don't mm-hmm. just, you, it kind of all pools in one area and then you rotate the tire in okay. your hands to let it circ it, it goes the whole circumference of the tire. Mm-hmm. And then you reseat the bead and you just let it do its thing. It's like running all over you. You're like, I, I actually did a pretty good job. I hate, I, I have to say listeners, it was all right. And then you just pump the tire up and it, it's, it's just amazing. It's like really interesting. Cause you're, you're only going to 25 PSI at the most. And when the bead actually seats on the, on the, the tire, on the rim, it makes a popping noise. Mm. So it's like, it pops as it's actually seating in place. And that's how, you know, you've gotten enough, you've created the seal. So anyway, that none of that happens when doing a road bike change, uh, road bike inner tube change. So it was just, it was super cool. And now my mountain bike's fixed. It was a $20 bottle of sealant. That's and awesome. I, I got to do it all. My, anyway, I was just excited because now I can ride around again. And I got to learn something about my, my product. 
that's awesome that that so like solving it yourself is so rewarding so that that's so so cool yeah i mean it just it's i don't think it's very i don't think it's that difficult but i didn't go to the shop and go oh, i need you to do this for me <laughs> i'm help. a newbie help <laughs> help so if you ever need to you know get a tire change you now i can do it the and, the, and the, the important thing that I, that I really didn't know, because this is always the question, right? Does the, is the product that you bought going to still work? Cause the barb was such a, it was pretty thick as well. So I didn't know if putting new sealant mm-hmm. in the tire was going to actually patch the hole, yeah. but it did. So don't go out there and run, run out and get an $80 tire. That's actually what made me, uh, think twice about getting a new tire it's 80 dollars for a mountain bike tire can you good believe that lord good lord dude that's like that's almost a uh a car tire a car tire is like 90 bucks <laughs> <laughs> i don't know where you're shopping but my car tires are not no dude cheap. you got a subaru man i got i got i get racing tires i get racing slicks oh that's true that's true they're like 90 bucks ghetto lion <laughs> lion tires oh. not good year let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) all right sean well thanks for stopping by tonight listeners thanks for listening to us i mean i have to throw in my last minute (laughs) it's perfect we're geeking out this is what we do this is who we we are it's what we do welcome back sean thanks for sharing tonight um man i can't wait to hear more and more about your experience and the meat that gave you power Mm -hmm. uh we'll do a whole food review that'll be like the next time we'll dive into the food you ate Yes. The way this cook really did it up in the wilderness. I can't wait. Uh, listeners, send us a line. Let us know if you enjoyed what you heard tonight. And we appreciate you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of the How To Hobby Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give us a like and or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a lot and take care.